You hear about it often, people saying they hit a flat spot in their recovery where the growth stops and they feel stagnant. It can be uncomfortable and even a little bit scary, especially when we've been in a state of growth for so long. Listen as we talk about what it's like to hit a plateau and different ways we can make our way through it while maintaining our sobriety. Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. You'll hear a lot of talk about connection and community in this episode. If you haven't yet found a tribe, we would love to have you join ours. It's free, it's anonymous, and you don't even have to leave home. We meet on Zoom Monday nights. If you want information about how to join in, visit our website at throughtheglassrecovery.com. You can enter your email and we'll send you everything you need to know. Welcome, everybody. It is so nice to meet all of you. This is a new group of people except for, and we'll start with you, our lovely Karina, who has been with us at least a couple of times now, including one surprise visit. That was amazing. That was the best. (laughs) Anyway, um, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Karina? Sure. So I am Karina, and I live in Canada in Edmonton. I am a school teacher. And I am, I just looked it up. I want to, I want to show this. I am 364 days sober. Yes. Ah, Wake up tomorrow out of year. Yes. Almost. 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 Happy almost one year. We're going to celebrate it with you anyway, even though it's a day early. Amazing. Super excited to get to, to celebrate that with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and spending your evening with us. And next we will go to Eric. My name is Eric S. I'm a grateful recovered addict, human dumpster fire. Most favorite human dumpster fire or signal fire, whichever you decide, depending on the day. I have 565 days clean, all consecutive. And um, I live in San Diego, California on the left-hand coast of the United States, the southern part. Fantastic. Super stoked to be here. Thanks, for it. And congratulations, Karina. Huh? Tell me how it feels tomorrow. I will. I will, for sure. <laughs> cool. Well, it's really nice to meet you. And Steve sent me some of your TikTok videos, and I love that you introduced yourself as a grateful human dumpster fire. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, he is our people, and he is going to fit in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So really good to meet you. And last but not least is James. Thank you. Uh, my name is James Fox. Uh, my sober date is 12-6-2020. Uh, not exactly the best year to get sober, but I made it through it. And here I am. Uh, my drug of choice is alcohol. And I'm here to get on social media platforms and help others recover is what I'm here for. So thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you. And and to all of you for recovering out loud. That is just, it takes so much courage and it is so important what you guys are doing on the social media. And so we really appreciate you guys. It's really good to have you all here. It's a really common phenomenon in recovery to feel like you've hit a plateau. 
early on, there's so much growth and momentum that it keeps you motivated to keep going, keeps you excited about recovery. And inevitably, everyone seems to hit a plateau, a time when they feel like their life has become stagnant. So have you experienced that? We would love to hear your thoughts about how it felt and how you've gotten through it. If anybody is welcome to start, and we will go from there. I'll go. Great. Eric recovering, huh? Recovering addict. But in recovery, I'm recovered. That, when we talked about that question, Steve and I talked about it over the phone today, the irony was that I, I'm coming out of a season like that right now in my life. Outside, you, you know, when we, when we get clean or so, I, I'll, I'll use the term clean as, as an all-encompassing, right? So when we recover, we go through these moments where it's like we take those baby steps. We go from minute to minute to hour to hour to day to day to week to week. And a lot of times, what I saw in my own recovery was that my strides became so long that eventually I became comfortable in the long. So you can only take a stride so far. And then it's like, I'm running this race, but there's nothing happening, right? It's the same thing. And what happened is, so I learned this thing early on in recovery. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. The acronym HALT, right? H-A-L-T, mm-hmm. hungry, only tired, and then be bored, right? those things we can tap out also, or we hit that wall or we plateau and we find that we become irritable, restless, and discontented. Right. And so I have to go back in my recovery. What I had to do is I caught myself like, what next, you know, what next in my life? Like I'm going through the most, this has been the hardest 18 and a half months of my entire life. I'm 46 years old. You know, I have three children. I'm, I'm just finishing the, the tail end of a, of a nasty divorce. And so everything in my life fell apart. Everything, my identity fell apart. Everything fell apart. As I slowly built it back up, I got to this point where it's like, what now, what do I do? You know? And it happened at like 16 months. I want to say now, what do I do? Like, it's almost like the joy and the elation of the newness of everything. I started to get into this groove or like a rut, you know, what a rut, you know, they say you get in a rut, you know, what a rut is it's a, it's a coffin with the ends blown out. You know, it's that we either grow or we die in recovery. We know that. So in our addiction, we always knew what was insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Same thing in our recovery. We do the same thing over and over again. We expect different results and we plateau. And I have the, you know, one of the greatest benefits I have is having an amazing sponsor, you know, sits near station to Jesus Christ. The dude is so rad. You know, like everybody jokes around, they call him baby Jesus, right? The most loving, wise dude. And he, that's what he said to me. He goes, you can't stay clean today on yesterday's recovery. You got to do something different. You need to continue to change it up. And one of the things I did was I started to implement a little bit more service in my life. If I'm lacking serenity, the way I get more peace and serenity in my life is to be of service. So I had to change something if that makes sense, right? Uh-huh. I don't want to take up all the time talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll speak to that too, because this is not my first kick at the cat. Sorry, cat. Um, <laughs> to try, and, to try and, and get into recovery. And it is, it is that sort of, um, sometimes it is that boredom that comes in. And 
it's sometimes called a routine, right? A routine, it becomes a routine if you do the same thing over and over again. And I just also remember a moment around the eight month mark where because I'm doing all the steps and you just hit this realization, this is my life now. This is what it is. And so, yes, in the same way that you want to change things up, there's also that duality of accepting things as it is and being okay with doing the same thing, being with the same people. We like novelty. We like new things. I also think that it is important. Um, What I keep in mind is this. It's a Buddhist quote. So before enlightenment, you chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, you chop wood, carry water. So it is this sense of serenity and peace in maintaining. But you're right, Eric, like, you know, shifting it so that you're doing more service or shifting so you are seeking more serenity. So I I, I get that too. And, And for me, it's also been about embracing the now, embracing what it is. Because otherwise, yeah, I'm going to seek a thrill. I'm going to go out there. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need any more thrills. Thank you very much. And so that's, that's what's working right now for me. And, you know, when I get to 18 months, I, you know, I'll revisit some of the things as well as I move through the different changes, but just embracing it as it is and not fighting it all the time. I don't need novelty all the time. There's a balance there, I think. I was actually talking to some people about this just the other day, and I think so many of us are used to chaos, right? Mm -hmm. Before we quit drinking, our lives were absolutely chaotic. And then when we do quit drinking, it's still chaos. It's that emotional roller coaster up, down, trying to do the work, everything changes in your life. And so it's still like a state of chaos. It's just like chaos with a positive direction, I think, after you quit drinking. But there comes a point where you actually reach peace. And I think for a lot of us, just peace is very uncomfortable. It's not something we've spent much time experiencing. So it feels like itchy and weird like you want to be <laughs> doing something and and you know like you're, you're looking and you're like what is what is missing what am I not doing and then at some point you realize wait this is just peace maybe this is okay and I think there's a balance there too because I think if you stay in it there's a difference between peace and like stagnation right you can go peacefully through each day not looking for drama and not looking for chaos and whatever. But then you can get to the point where it does become, I think, kind of a danger zone. And I think there's, it takes a certain amount of wisdom and self-awareness to recognize when you've gone from just a state of peaceful being to a state of like dangerous stagnation. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. That, That resonates. I think... One of the things for me is, is when I sit at that spot and I, I completely hear what you're saying when you talk about peace, Julie, and then, and the chaos, like for me, I, I used to call it the chaos of nothingness. And it was, there was all of this stuff and none of it mattered. And then if you can sit in that in silence and allow 
the world to move around you and then just still exist there's the, the, that's where the peace is and and when i get stuck or bored or that plateau where you know that i had i had that that light bulb moment where i was like yes you know that uh, i you you can feel that moment of growth and that momentum that and then you ride that momentum and that wave just starts dying off and like now what happened like my I, i've made a life change life has reacted to that change i'm still changing in there but i it's like eric was saying those strides now i'm back to baby steps but i'm not really seeing my forward movement anymore i go back to i need to reflect on where i once was because i keep going on that path and taking those baby steps and i might be really enjoying those moments and i might be feeling that peace and i'm really taking it all in when i'm taking it in those baby steps those are the moments where where i'm traveling and i'm present yeah. and when I start feeling lost in that, I need to go and I need to look back at either my journals or talk to some people and say, hey, listen, like, where was I two months ago? Where was I three months ago? Where was I last year? Like that moment of reflection, you talk about being grateful and that sort of thing, like go back that far and pull that, pull that out and go, wow, you know, three months ago, I talked about maybe working out a little bit. And I never did anything with that. And two weeks ago, I did, I started that and I've been doing that and I've been really struggling and look how far I've come. Like there's so much to going back to see where you came from and using that reflection as like, damn, like I'm doing pretty good here, even though I was thinking I wasn't doing pretty good and I've come a long damn way. I need to reevaluate here. Okay, I can find that peace again. And I can understand that it's okay to be where I am right now. But I still, obviously, if I'm feeling that itch and that itchiness, there's something else I'm missing. I got to go at least take a look. I got to start investigating. Investigating is a great word for that. There's this cool thing I do with my sponsees. Once we get through the third step, I have them write themselves a letter. And I give it to them when they take their year. And that's exactly what I do. And I said, and, and when I, I give it to them and after the meeting or wherever we take the, their one year, I said, I want you to read that letter and I want you to sit and I want you to see how far you've come. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to consider where do you want to be in the next year? And you know, like when we start out in recovery, at least for me, I, I can be like, I can only speak big I statements, right? I couldn't see where I was going to be in three months. When I came into, like I went to a treatment center in San Clemente. I'm going to do, can I do a little plug real quick? Plug uh, away. Covenant Hills Treatment Center in San Clemente, California. The therapist, I did 45 days inpatient, 45 days outpatient. But I went into that place having from the age of 12 to the age of 44, I had daily suicidal ideations. And it wasn't like, yeah, I thought that was what everybody went through. So for me, I couldn't tell you where I was going to be in three months, two months. I couldn't tell you where I was going to be in a week because at the back of my mind, all I could think about was for the first two weeks I was in treatment, they wouldn't let me up on the roof deck because I was a jump risk, right? That was like, I was for an exit, but we get out of that, like you said, that chaos. 
I grew up in, in chaos was my comfort. And I wound up, my fight and flight switch got jammed into the on position. And so, so long, like my limbic system was like, uh, you know, freak out mode. And anytime there was peace, I was so uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. Like what? And then I would create chaos. And I learned this new manner of living, which demands honesty, right? Mm-hmm. But reassessing and then making daily goals for ourselves, I think is huge for not getting, it's not so much stagnation. It'd be like a complacency, right? Yep. Complacency yeah. is next, next to resentment. It's like a, it's the number two offender, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, interesting. This is, this is perfect for me because, you know, we're talking about plateauing right now and I just realized I'm in another one, you know? My my first plateau is just not quite a year in recovery, but chaos presented itself to me in the form of my wife and daughter getting T-boned by an F-250 at 55 miles an hour, Man. sending them both to uh, ICU pretty quick. And, you know, that helped me get on my recovery and really focus on myself at that time as I was taking care of them. Then I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, wait, uh, I'm in a spot where, you know, everything seems like it's going okay. It's just peaceful. There's nothing wrong and it doesn't feel quite right. You know, like, you know, I was an alcoholic for 20 years, a uh, meth user for about a year and a half, coke user for about three years. You know, I dabbled here and there with everything. And then I, you know, just talking to you guys today made me realize it's like, well, why am I getting on these social media platforms trying to help others recover? You know, that's my way of balancing out my system just to kind of help maintain, you know, for me, it's helping others helps me. And in fact, that's the exact words I just told my wife right before I got on here. You know, me helping others really helps myself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to note too even if you feel like you're in a state of peace, that doesn't mean you ever stop working on your recovery. Like I do something related to my recovery every single day, whether it's journaling or whether it's recording a podcast or on social media, replying to people who are newly sober or whatever that might be. I think a lot of it at some point turns into service type things and helping others, but no matter how peaceful you feel, there's the, the, that complacency thing is really important. You can be at peace, but you still can't let yourself get complacent. If I stop doing what I was doing or what I'm doing to make sure I maintain my recovery, I'm going to lose it. It's like mm-hmm. anything else. If I, yeah, I used to be able to speak French fluently and I stopped speaking French. I can barely speak French now. And that's because I don't use it anymore. If I don't at least have some sort of maintenance, it's part of my day. It's part of my way of living. Then I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to lose it just like I lost my ability to speak French. Well, and you built that into your life. Yep. Like, you know, like, like for me, journaling, journaling is something I have done pretty much every single day since the first day I quit drinking. It's just part of what I do. It doesn't, you know, five or 10 minutes in the morning. It doesn't always have to take a huge amount of time, but yeah, the maintenance piece and learning as you go through 
your recovery process, what pieces need to happen regularly in order to keep you in recovery. I think it's important to look around and see what those are and then find ways to incorporate them. And in a way, those things keep propelling you forward too, whether it is service or or journal or whatever it is. I mean, those are things that I do, but it may be tiny baby steps forward, but maintaining still keeps you in some state of forward momentum, I think, even if it's very slow and very peaceful. It's not those huge giant leaps that we were making in the beginning. Well, yeah. And I think when we talk about service, service doesn't have to be anything big or extravagant or anything like that. Service could just be just as well be part of your daily routine, asking someone how they are, like giving that opportunity, uh, showing up to a meeting. If that's one of the things that you do, just showing up is an act of service. It's an act of service to yourself and to everyone else that's there. I think when we talk about the work and and the stuff of recovery, it's it isn't like lifting wheelbarrows of bricks or anything like that. It isn't the hardest part about all of that is just being honest and telling the truth. I think that is that is the bricks. That is putting that stuff down and and giving it to someone else. Yeah. That's where we all learn. That's where I've learned the most about myself. Even in these plateaus, when I say, damn, I think I'm like, something's not right here. I'm not saying that to just myself. I'm saying that to someone else, someone that's close, maybe someone that's not close because I've just met two, two new people here and, and maybe I'm going to learn something from them. I think everyone has something to teach us because we're all different. Yeah. There's a, a crucial part i think also in that understanding when we reach that plateau there's there's three things like you guys got me I, you made me think about this all day like when i when eric thinks about stuff all day watch out right <laughs> like there's a there's a lot that's happening here but these three things i think about one is like the culture right the i can get stuck in the culture the whether it be the culture of it and then okay look let me back up I can become my own worst enemy in recovery or in in like society outside of recovery. And I think in my own life, I find that stagnation plateau when I'm only focused on recovery. Like that's everything about me. I forget how to be a human being. And all I'm identifying by is a meeting, by uh, another alcoholic or addict or you know, whatever camp out or like, I forgot how to do things outside. Like, like subconsciously, I didn't mean to do that subconsciously. I was like, I have to stay focused on my recovery, but not learning to like, well, how do I live again? You know, we, we kind of have to learn how to be people, right? We, we, we're those of us who recover, we, we, we recover from, I, I believe what the big book says, you know, we can recover. We can recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body suffered from a disease of which there's no known cure, but it, however, it can be arrested, right? My, what I have today is a daily reprieve that's contingent upon the maintenance of my spiritual condition, right? That's, hate to be, you know, sorry to, sorry to big book you there, but I mean, that what I believe, that's what I found true in my life. So outside of that, deal with the culture, 
in in AA, NA, or the culture in recovery can keep me stuck and stagnant or plateaued. When someone's saying, hey, it's your disease doing push-ups in the background. Yo, my disease doesn't do push-ups in the background, right? It means I'm not doing the work and I have to get out and do the work. So that if I'm working, whether it's like you said, saying hello to somebody, being of service, holding the door open for a newcomer, you know, or even like when I... I go to the store with my kids and they laugh at me because I ask everybody, what are you grateful for? The cashier. And the look on people's faces are like, what? who are you? I'm like, yo, I'm your favorite human dumpster fire. <laughs> Let's get it up, you know? The other one is is I can do it through my own negative self-talk. You know, our ears are so close to our mouth because our brains listen to ourselves twice as much as we listen to anybody else. You know, and we twine up throughout the day through negative self-talk a lot of times we don't even realize we're doing it we keep ourselves stuck and we feel this plateau or the other part is isolation am i in isolation in my recovery i will feel plateaued if i'm not helping another person you know in the in the literature of the aa it says talks about this miner who you know ate his last morsel of food tightened up his belt and took his last strike with the pick and he tapped into an unsuspecting resource but what he found is he can't keep it unless he gives it away right so if i'm not doing the work if i'm not telling somebody else like james was talking about you know helping others helps myself if i'm not doing that i will plateau very quickly because i will reach the max of what my recovery can give me and it starts dwindling dwindling if i keep it to myself i will have a cap on it that i just eat up all the minutes No, it's just I'm uh, just thinking. Uh, I I was just thinking about it. I mean, I I, I don't do AA. I use uh, an app called I Am Sober, and so my journey is it looks a little different, but a lot of it has parallels. Of course, one of the things on on the app because I pay for a subscription is um, you can change the wording of your um, pledge. So that's you know some people journal. When it, I, I pledge every day, like I pledge every day, but I, it doesn't say, I don't say I'm going to stay sober today. It, I just, and it touches on what you were talking about, Julie. I choose peace. Every day I choose peace and I've chosen peace for 364 days. Tomorrow it's going to be 365. And I just I will always try to remember that, you know, that I am choosing peace and that that keeps me from veering off the path into chaos or or choosing you know to go back to where i came from which i i can't i don't have it in me anymore i just don't don't have that in me yeah like you're saying karina you know we all do recover differently and i recover you know differently from everyone else too um my first step was making a post on social media telling everybody that I'm going to get into rehab and I'm going to go into recovery and I'm going to quit drinking and better my life. And I went to one AA meeting and then I found a 12 week, uh, outpatient program here in town. And I did that 12 week program and I haven't been to a meeting or a program since, you know, almost Mm. over two years later, I wake up every morning and just, raw dog sobriety and i you know that's awesome that's what i do you know i wake up and i just know that i want to be the the sober 
better person, you know, better father, better husband, and better friend to everyone around me, you know. But we all do recover differently, and you know, and that's why I think where I've came to social media is to help me just, you know, help others. You know that that's my plateau breaker, pretty much. I think we all have different experiences. You have you have a lot of different recoveries, and the beauty about sharing an environment is uh, like this, and sharing our, our recoveries is is. There is no one way to do this. Everyone's recovery is as unique as they are. 100%. And at the same time, we're all a reflection of ourselves. We all are a reflection of each other in one way or another. And this is where we get to learn and find the similarities from each other's recovery. Not everything's going to resonate and it doesn't have to right? Yeah. It doesn't have to. That's the open mind. And that's just having an open heart about all of this and, and the plateau and what is next. Like you, you we talk, I'm going to go back to the chaos for a second because there's, I think there always has to be a next at some point. Yeah. Even if that's trying something new, new in just life. Cause Eric talked about like, you have to relearn how to do life. And, and, and I, I feel like in recovery, it's like an, a complete and utter life gut job. I get to reevaluate all of the things that I'm doing right now, right now, and figure out what is mine, what isn't mine, what is authentic to me, what isn't, what's in alignment with me. Because for the longest times, I I was my values were what everyone else thought they were, which was only a reflection of their values. And now here I am sitting like, okay, what does Steve like? What does, what, 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 what is value to me? What, and I need to know that I need to figure that out because then, uh, then I can live my life in alignment with that. And I think the plateau is, is okay. Where else am I misaligned? Because when I'm in alignment, I feel peace. I feel that serenity. I feel all of uh, all of those good things if I'm in alignment. But when I get out of alignment, then then that itchy feeling comes or I need to, once again, I need to do something. I need to change something or I just need to accept it for now because it might be too freaking hard for me to do. And, and there is a lot of life that is too hard to do. And eventually I'm going to have to squeeze that square peg through that damn round hole and round off those edges because it's going to fit through one way or another. It's just about how painful am I going to want it to be when I get there? I think if you're patient enough, you do, you do get through it. I don't think anybody's ever like, can you really, can you die of boredom? I'm not, I'm not sure you actually, but I, 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 you know, like sometimes you have to sit with it Yeah, and just, about investigate we use that word yeah and and also get used to the fact as you said julie too just that you know it isn't necessarily boredom it could just be getting used to the new normal mm-hmm. and uh i i think this is great this discussion because it is just touching off on so many so many different ideas about what it means to plateau sometimes you just uh, in the same way that i had to white knuckle through those first days of sobriety you gotta white knuckle your way through boredom sometimes too and then yeah. you will be inspired i've started writing again and the clarity of sobriety has 
you know, reignited my creativity and my thought. Pro- I'm, it's no longer muddied. I can actually speak better than I ever have had before. <laughs> you know, my brain's not fried. Right. You know, my brain isn't fried. So, it's, uh-huh. yeah, there's all these little tiny other things that you can focus on. Gratitude kind of also helps to mm-hmm. sail through those tough, sticky spots. Well, you're you're coming up on on the famous one year, and there's the whole one year letdown afterwards. And I think it's it's I think it's a phenomenon all on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I about it. And for me, it wasn't it didn't happen right after one year. It was about the fourteen month mark, and it lasted probably about two months, where it, everything is just like the. Someone poked the hole in the balloon and I woke up one day and I realized like now I, because I, I, I think it's almost like I spent one year focusing on how to stay sober. I spent one year focusing on all of that. I know how to do that. You know how to do that. And then, and then you're like, okay, you have all of this leftover energy that got nowhere to put it anymore. <laughs> got nowhere to put it. Right. And then, and like, there's the writing and there's there there's what am I going to do? And then for me, it was like an evaluation of where else in my life do I need to like put that sort of effort in? Because that's where I learned how to, I learned how, what effort looked like in that one year. I learned what determination looked like in that one year. Take that energy, even inside of that lull and accept that it's, it's going to be itchy and there's going to be cravings and it's going to feel freaking weird. Right. It'll end. It, it, it ended and and then I I woke up and I had more energy again for figuring out what to do next and where to go and you know what I mean? There's so much. But there's that plateau that like right after the one year for me was it wasn't the one year. It was about fourteen months. Yeah. I I like I've heard about it. I like the way you talk about energy. Like you're st- even when you're stuck in a plateau, you there's still that energy there, right? And I want to say that it was Alex from Creating Ripples who was on the podcast one time. Mm-hmm. And she said something about recovery being becoming your favorite version of yourself. And that, to me, was such a cool way to put that. And if anything else, even if everything else feels stagnant, you can still ask yourself in the morning, what can I do today to become my favorite version of myself or to be my favorite version of myself? And if that's the only intention you set for that day, it's still going to be a successful day. It's going to be a productive day. You're going to be a better person at the end of that day, even if it's just little tiny things. There's something really beautiful, too, about just setting an intention for each day. I know, Eric, you were talking about you kind of do that. You have your way of doing that. And if that's all it is, is just be your favorite version of yourself. There's a lot of beauty in that. There's a lot of growth in that too. Yeah, 100%. There's a, there's there's this, this thing, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, or identify with me if you can agree. You know, we as addicts or alcoholics or however you want to identify we're really good at starting things. We're horrible at finishing things. Yeah, right. True. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. 
in our league, right? So what happens is we get clean and sober and we're still assholes, you know? And you go, I don't, I'm good at starting. I'm really good at being an asshole. I don't know how to stop being an asshole. No, we don't. Or I don't know how to stop procrastinating. Well, so what I have to do is if I'm good at starting things, I have to start being kind, right? I'm learning to look at things through like, you know, have you guys ever read the um, new set of glasses? No, I book for recovery. It's a new set of or new new lens, new set of new pair of glasses. Cool. And what it is, literally when in recovery, we kind of like we clean the debris off of the lenses of our glasses, and we start to look at the world and go, "Oh my goodness, it's in freaking Technicolor! How can right. nobody like this miracle happen?" Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, as if I never saw color in my entire life. You know, well, I try to do that with everything in my life when I sense that that like. There's this plateau or something's going to top out, right? It happens in business. I mean, I'm my own, I, I, I'm my own boss, right? Mm-hmm. I, re- oh, I have to look and go, okay, I reassess and I adjust to it. Or I, I humble, you know? And and that's like, like we were saying in, in recovery, be the best version of ourselves just for today. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all today, you know? And before I got into recovery, I was crippled by my past. I was paralyzed by the fear of the future mm-hmm. and I am wasting my time in the present. You know, I never learned how to invest my time. All I did was spend time, right? So for me in recovery, I try to look at where am I going to invest my time in my recovery? Am I going to reap the benefit? You know, I speak in like, you know, business terms, but we do it every day, like this. Like I was saying, the three Gs, or wh- whether it's your journaling, or the, I like the idea of an app. So would you say you set a? Um, what did you say you did? You make a commitment. A pledge. She makes a pledge. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's called "I Am Sober." Uh, yeah. Had thousands of users on it, and uh, it's actually how I met. It's how you and Julie. It's yeah. How it's it's yeah. informally through through this app because it is anonymous. My name, you know, my name on the app is is not the name I go by in real life. But you can post, and you can count uh, the days, and there's all sorts of um, quotes and inspiration to help you get through. There's resources. It's just been for me in this. I mean, I've been on this app for way too long. I just. <laughs> But it has been very beneficial, not just in terms of pledging every day, but also we talked about this, the connections. I Mm -hmm. think, I swear, anybody that I've spoken with who has not stayed the course on sobriety. So I'm coming up to a year. I'm I'm not a pro yet at sobriety, but I've talked to people who've relapsed after seven years, 14 years, 20 years, and they lost the connection. They, they got complacent and they lost the connection. So I know that those are things I'm anticipating that I'm going to have to focus on and maintain in order to maintain my sobriety. Because it's, I mean, it's tempting. It's always, I think it's always, I just have accepted the fact it's always going to, that temptation's always going to be there. I mean, even for my first year, like, what are you going to do? Oh, buy a case of tequila. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, go get wasted. And it's just like, because it's such a part of our culture, right? And so staying connected, being honest with the people that you're connected with. Yeah. And when you are stuck, 
you know, wave your white flag. Hey guys, help, help. I, I'm stuck again. And, uh, you know, that's, that's my strategy going forward. And, you know, inshallah, it's, uh, <laughs> God willing, it's gonna, it's gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> It's worth mentioning too, you know, we met Eric and James on TikTok and they're part of the the TikTok sober community, which is massive. And we're also really involved on Instagram, which also has an incredible sober community. And, you know, I, I do most of our Instagramming, but people post when they're having a hard time and people reply and, and, and everybody gets each other through it. And I will say that the beauty of the I Am Sober app is like what Karina was saying. Some people aren't ready to put their face and their name on social media where it's public to talk about sobriety. So apps like I Am Sober, and I know there are also other apps. That's the one that we've all used. But you do have the ability to connect with people and really share what's on your heart and do it completely anonymously and still feel that sense of community. So I think community is the most important thing. I never knew there was anything like an app like that the first time I quit drinking. So I quit for 14 months the first time around and I did it without any kind of connection or community because I was so ashamed. I wasn't going to show my face at a meeting. I wasn't going to post on social media. I didn't realize there were other options. So I think connection is absolutely the most important part of recovery, whether it's early recovery or whether it's celebrating with people because you had a year or because you're stagnant and you need some oomph to help you get going again or or somebody just to listen and, and help you see things from a different perspective. I think Everybody who is in recovery needs some form of community. Amen. <laughs> hey, women. <laughs> I couldn't, for, for, for me, I couldn't stop. I served the drug of no choice. That was me. Mm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, an alcoholic. I drank to oblivion. That was it. The, controlling my drinking was never any fun. You know, trying to hide it was never any fun. Two, three, four, just fast enough. One more, just almost there, just about right. Just would almost get me tightened up. And then you would add meth and it was like Jerry Maguire. Like, oh, you complete me, you know, and now indestructible. And that turned into like just oblivion. My life was so unmanageable, but I couldn't stop. I was beyond human aid. I couldn't stop. And I love the idea of the app. I was on an app that just ended. I, I was uh, about two months ago, I want to say. I, I don't know if you guys had it in Canada. It was worldwide. It was sober together. It was oh. free. It was on Instagram. <laughs> but they, they, they had no funding and it was free. But I understood, like, I met some really cool people, made mm -hmm. some connections, which carried over into... You know, I think they went to like Marco Polo or Facebook or something like that. But what you said is key community, right? Because in community, there's not only camaraderie, there's also accountability. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're saying like, if you're having a bad day, you raise your red, your, your white flag, right? No, it's a red flag too. You're right. My head's on fire. My ass is catching, right? And I don't want to catch fire. <laughs> You know, but it's a uh, community is really 
if you think about it, if we lean into community in our recovery, it's almost impossible to plateau because you're going to have people around you who are going to encourage you. And encouragement goes such a long way, such a long way. Come on, we just talked about that earlier, right? And one, you either get one like or you get 600 likes, right? Yeah. Whenever <laughs> And you're like, I can do this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. We talked about a lot of really awesome things here. Karina, I really liked your Buddhist saying there, before enlightenment, we chop wood and carry water. After enlightenment, we chop wood and carry water. So when we plateau, what do we keep doing? The same thing we were doing already, the community, the service, talking to friends, reflecting on how far we've come. I think a lot of growth actually happens inside of the plateau because we mm -hmm. become aware of where we're at, where we came from, and we get to look at where we want to go. I want to thank you, Eric. Thank you, James. Both of you guys on last minute. Thank you so much. Karina, thank you. You guys were great. Thank you so thank much for your time and your thoughts tonight. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much to our listeners for your time. Be sure to subscribe, like, follow, so you don't miss next week's episode where we dig into the feeling of loneliness and talk about the ways we've found to move through it and overcome it.